0: and welcome back to the Cycling Tips Nerd Alert podcast. I'm your host, James Huang, and it is Deep Dive Week here at Nerd Alert. We've chatted an awful lot lately, both here on the podcast and in written form on CyclingTips.com, about how tubeless and tube-type clincher tires have recently gained a lot of favor among pro teams and riders for the performance advantages they offer over traditional tubulars, particularly when it comes to rolling resistance. And while clinchers first started seeing more widespread use only in time trials, we're now seeing them an awful lot more in road events too and even some cobbled races. But as much as clinchers offer advantages on paper, tubulars are still more popular in pro racing overall for a lot of good reasons. They offer much better security in the event of a puncture since the tire is safely glued to the rim, they're often lighter, they handle impacts better, and the ride quality and cornering characteristics are something you just kind of have to feel to understand. So what would things look like if you could keep all of those good things about tubulars, but together with those rolling resistance advantages of modern high-performance clinchers? That is exactly what Challenge Tires says it might soon be able to offer. And I recently had a chat with the company's technical director, Morgan Nickel, to see what these things are all about. Let's take a listen. Morgan, thanks so much for being on the show with us today. I'm curious to hear from you what what you're seeing or hearing from your end as far as what's happening within the pro road ranks. Uh, not we're not talking about track or cross here. So, what's happening within the, the pro road ranks with respect to tubulars and clinchers?
1: Tubeless technology has definitely arrived, and it's definitely there's there's definitely a big push that direction. I mean, it's a technology that uh, is heavily supported by the the big the big brand higher companies. Uh, It's their thing. And uh, there is certainly uh, testing being done that's showing rolling resistance improvements. Uh, But then you even get, you know, this year we start seeing uh, I think more teams uh, being pushed and and using it. Uh, And then you see, but you see companies like Specialized uh, kind of bouncing from the Tubeless, uh, over to you know we went, we won on uh, inner tubes, you know we uh, a standard clincher, uh, and there, this gets you know this big hit on on social media, but still the majority of tire use in the uh, in the pro ranks is our tubulars. There's still the exceptions that are. Uh, that are tubeless, and and then as I you know even specialized surprising with the with a clincher with a with an inner tube. There's inserts being tried uh, to kind of give added security to the system. Um, but uh, you know there there are still a lot of mechanics. I mean you know Italian and, and uh, Belgian mechanics that we're familiar with that are that are just adamant that they will not move off. Tubulars, especially when they get into the mountains, uh, and uh, especially for for them for for races like uh, Paris Roubaix that puts so much uh, pressure on the system. It's a story that uh, while I think uh, the industry in general and uh, the big the big uh, tire companies are definitely pushing tubeless, and and that's a uh certainly an interesting technology i mean we're investing a lot in it uh but uh the tubulars are not dead
0: well i wonder if you know we, we we run into all sorts of issues in the bike tech world of you know kind of like head versus heart for example like you know not too long ago we had we always had these debates of you know in the big mountain stages the head you know the data says that aerodynamics matter more Uh, like you can run all sorts of simulations you can run all sorts of tests that say that you know a heavier but more aerodynamic bike in a lot of cases anyway will be faster than a bike that is non-aero but lighter the heart argument at that point and we still this we still see this sort of thing even today a lot of riders still prefer to be on the lighter bike that feels faster even if it might not be faster on paper So with this whole tubular versus clincher thing, you know, there's all this data out there that shows that, you know, these high end either tubeless or tube type clinchers are faster on paper in terms of rolling resistance, in terms of watts saved, that sort of thing relative to, you know, a lighter tubular. But, you know, as you said, I mean, tubulars still are in the majority by a good margin in the pro peloton and a lot of riders and mechanics just don't want to get off of them why would you say that is, and what is it that tubulars offer over clinchers?
1: In the pro peloton, there's there's uh, there's the a, a combination of security uh, and uh, the the lightweight and durability of the the wheel itself. I mean, the shape is you know it's a closed shape that that takes impacts there versus you know a clincher wall. We've invested. We have. You know, we're a tubular company that it has you know handmade clinchers, handmade tubulars and have have a system now with handmade tubeless so we have you know we've invested in all of that um, but we've seen also that uh, a lot of the tubeless technology uh, had to be formalized as the and we we pushed, uh, the ETRTO and ISO to, to pick up this ball. In our first meeting back in, two, I think it was 2014 four, or fifteen we actually got a consensus. It was a stunning meeting that uh, ETRTO who uh, is a, they have new standards for every single type of wheeled vehicle. And ISO and specifically in bicycle, uh, would develop a, a a standard, and it would be a complementary standard. There would be no, so there would be one international standard developed between the two of them. So the ETRTO and their system, which has done been done since nineteen seventy something, uh, governs cars and motorcycles and everything you can imagine, and bicycles. You know, bicycles are quite unique in that group of products. I mean, all of the others are quite homogeneous. And then those tires are all mounted by machines. I mean, you don't go out there and change the tire on your car or your motorcycle anymore. Uh, but that's, that's the system. Bicycle is the only one that uh, the expectation is that you can mount it yourself. And then you can work on it out there in the wild uh, to fix it uh, with a, a fiber reinforced plastic <laughs> uh, lever, that technical technology is is really not that old on the cycling side, and it needed to be refined. and And we had quite we had a number of players in the industry who created their own solution to optimize the system. It, it took the rim outside of the standard of a 622 bead seat basically you know if you're going to have uh, let's say for 700c tires normally you have a 622 bead seat dimension and it is it the as we were working through this i mean we had all the big companies there from the tire side and from the, the wheel side. And that became the critical thing. But what we, f- we realized that there was there were groups totally outside this. So we've been working since then. And basically last year, we got uh, all of the players to understand that that 622 bead seat plus or minus 0.5 was the standard that had to be followed for the rims, the hard, the wheel, let's say, built into a wheel including the tape, had to be defined because the system within the ETRTO, which was then brought over to ISO is a common standard, if the wheel is correct with all of the dimensions defined, the tire has to fit on the rim. That's all the tire company has to do is make sure it fits on that system. It was important to get that Defined And basically, last year, we got the ETRTO written to the point where ISO said, okay, we're comfortable with this, and we're going to bring it into the standards. And then we were introduced to hookless tubeless, <laughs> which has created a little bit of a, an additional uh, definition issue. Um, and after, you know, we spent a year talking about this additional evolution and that had one additional line attached to it, which was there's going to be a five bar or 75 PSI limit on hookless tubeless tires as a maximum operating pressure.
0: Right, and I th- and I think the technical term for hookless in the whole ETRTO and, and ISO, I think, is tubeless straight side. I think right? correct TSS. Correct. Okay. Yes.
1: Instead of a hook, it's straight side vertical straight side rim, and it is defined. Uh, it's it's it works, uh, but it puts and and it's when you, when the the rim is built within that within the standard. Uh, it, it's actually really interesting because it's actually, there's easier mounting now. I mean, now that everybody's working within that standard, it's getting easier. It's going back to 2000, 2005, when it's quite consistent that you can mount almost every tire on almost every rim, as long as you use the center channel. It is also then the tire companies are doing a better job now. Uh, the bead basically has no stretch to it. it you know, it's just uh, it, and you can still get it on the rim. So those things are just are really critical. Um, but now and now we're, now it's time to really test the technology. And so the arguments begin in earnest, let's say. And it's quite interesting. And uh, when you go to rolling resistance, the argument becomes the rolling resistance test equipment to date is mainly run on a steel drum. So it's smooth. It's like, okay, you're testing on a track and track is another place to that. You can do that kind of testing, rolling resistance testing. But, and sometimes now they've gone super radical to diamond plate, uh, which If you look out your window at the roads, it's still not the same. No, (laughs) it's not, you know, much less when you get to something like a cobbled road or a Strada Bianca or, or gravel racing there, you activate the entire tire, not just the rubber tread. So the whole size of the tire and the construction of the tire and the pressure of the tire becomes more critical the The idea that you would just you know it's a it's a road tire it's twenty five millimeters i'm going to pump it up to ten bar that's not going to give you the best rolling resistance except for on a steel drum that's where the pure numbers are not telling the whole story yet. We have some smart guys that you know some of the first guys that are were in the rolling resistance test game uh now they've created a cobbled test roller that can test rolling resistance on a, you know, on a rough surface that mimics a a cobbled road. I haven't seen it, so I don't know how cobbled it is, but uh, it's it's an interesting first step and, and it's a step in the direction that I think now is going to add some truth to that story. And then we'll see the reality of testing between the different products and the different sizes and the different pressures
0: well so as far as the tubular versus clincher thing goes in terms of rolling resistance so um there's a couple of things here i mean there there always has been the argument that tubulars offer more security well this was when rim brakes were much more common but um, certainly in the high mountains you had the argument that carbon tubular specifically uh were safer than carbon clinchers and I, that certainly seemed to be valid because you know the tire was f- firmly glued onto the rim um and then uh you also had the the issue of tire security when the tire was flat if you got a puncture a tubular tire is still glued onto the rim uh it's not ideal when it's flat obviously but in that situation the tire is still on there um and that situation maybe has been improving a fair bit now that we do have these established standards where the tire where a tubeless tire does seem to be attached to the rim, you know, certainly more consistently um, maybe still not quite to the degree of a tubular tire that's glued on. Um, But with this issue of rolling resistance that you're talking about um, for sure. I mean, most of the tests that are out there are done on steel drums or aluminum drums, even, even if you're doing like, you know, roller testing, that sort of thing. Um, And while there are definitely, Test scenarios that are out there now that do take at least simulated road conditions into account. Um, I mean, what you're suggesting is that that there are still situations where, because those test scenarios are not entirely super accurate in terms of completely mimicking real world conditions, I guess what you're saying is that you know at least riders still have a sense that a tubular still perhaps rolls better than than a clincher in road situations. Um, But what I'm wondering is, do you have any instances that you know of where we have some sort of verifiable data that shows that those lab numbers that are done with steel drums of whatever sort, be they textured or have some sort of thing added onto them, whatever, um, do you have any instances where, where the data that's produced in a lab does not correlate to what's seen in the real world? So in other words, like, you know we have all this data showing that tubeless clinchers or even you know high-end clinchers with latex tubes are faster than tubulars in terms of rolling resistance but the implication is that the implication that you're saying here is that in some real world conditions on the road again not not for tri- uh, not for cross um but the implication is that tubulars can still be faster is that what you're saying
1: i am saying no i all the data that i have seen is that tubeless clinchers so far are testing faster. What I haven't seen is some new technologies uh, that the reasoning of why tubeless, you know, you you have the, the reason that tubeless supposedly works is lower rolling resistance is because you have, uh, you take the inner tube, Movement uh, within the within the tire out of the equation, and we've created a technology basically uh, mimicking. Well, it's uh, Tufo did it first. They have a tubeless tubular construction. They but theirs is butyl rubber and nylon and uh, kind of notoriously stiff. And uh, not rolling, not low rolling itself. Uh, we've done a similar system with our casings, which are the handmade casings. For those of you maybe not familiar, are we work with instead of you know thirty sixty or ninety TPI or thirty sixty or one hundred and twenty thread counts per inch uh, nylon? We're working with you know, 300 TPI plus polyester or cotton or even silk casings. Uh, And instead of butyl rubber, we're working with latex inner tubes and natural rubber that is not fully vulcanized treads. So you're working with a much softer, more supple uh, materials that you when you adjust the pressures they can conform and uh, roll over obstacles and turn those obstacles into uh, traction uh, and cornering and braking. Uh, so you have better control and you have more comfort because they absorb that into the construction but we've taken that latex inner tube and in a form that we've created taken the latex inner tube and welded it to the side of the inside of the tubular so that we have a single component that's working in the same way that a tubeless system is working it has the added benefit we did we did the first runs uh, that we're now testing and running on gravel because you the, the other benefit of tubeless on gravel, especially if you're in Kansas running on, in the flint, is you get a puncture, you can plug it, because the inner tube uh, is, the the hole in the inner tube is, it stays at the same place as the hole in the casing, and then you can put a plug in there and the sealant uh, then flows and plugs that hole, and off you go, and you can at least finish the event and, and go on. So, uh, but that also carries over and we need to run, we need to have that testing. I mean, the, the story's not been told yet. Its story is not finished yet. And so it's until we get test equipment that is, and, and this kind of technology evolves, uh, the story is not done. When you add to that the, tubular wheel is still significantly lighter and, and more resilient. I mean, as soon as you stick that vertical wall up there, and if you see what a lot of the construction, when they're doing straight side walls and they say, okay, yeah, your aerodynamics improve, excuse me. A lot of those straight side walls are, you know, two and three millimeter thick carbon fiber sticking up there. And that is that's a rigid wall that when you take an impact that way, you're you're talking about a really, you know, a really unflexible system where I've seen videos and I have videos of uh, tubulars that, that take impacts and the impact actually deforms the sidewall of the of the entire rim. And it comes back into shape, taking that full impact without pinch-flatting the tubular. It's phenomenal. You know, that is something you can do with a tubular with that shape that you cannot get out of a clincher with that shape. We, we invest have invested in clincher tires with latex inner tubes, tubeless clinchers. And now we have tubulars and tubeless tubulars. And it is up to us as a tubular company to bring evolution of the technology, just like all the big tubeless companies, though, of course, like, you know, they're gigantic. I mean, the biggest company in the bicycle industry is not Shimano. The biggest company in the bicycle industry is Continental. They're in the bike industry, but they are huge. Shimano is big. The part of it it is in the bike industry is big. And then they have a small fishing tackle thing to it. But overall Shimano compared to Continental is quite small. The whole bike industry is small when you look at it from that perspective, but Continental is there selling their technology. And this, this adds another dynamic that I, you know, that's, uh, that's fascinating in this tire rim discussion thing that goes on uh, that we saw is because the tire companies have always been members of ETRTO, European Tire and Rim Technical Organization. And every tire company, big tire company you've ever heard of in the world is a member of that group, except for just us tiny little bike guys, a couple of our, you know, you know, it's, it's challenge, it's Vittoria, it's Dugast, it's FMB Veloflex, uh I can't remember the little guys in Japan who makes, you know, the Kieran <laughs> Kieran tires uh, tubulars, but they are just a few of us doing this handmade. Okay. And that everybody else is a member because they make all the automobile, motorcycle, et cetera. They've been members of that group since 1970. The bicycle wheel companies are all, all they do is bicycle wheels. You know, Campy doesn't make tires for Ferrari. Uh DT doesn't make you know wheels for for Mercedes. They make bicycle wheels. So all of the wheel bicycle wheel companies are members of ISO. So they're both groups have an, annual or biannual meetings. Now they're virtual meetings during the pandemic, but When you have all the, if you're Continental or you're Michelin or Hutchinson or Maxis or Bredestein or, you know, these big car companies who do bicycle tires also, all the big bosses, all the big technical managers, they go to the ETRTO meetings and they sit there and they have, okay, open the book to cars. Okay, open the book to motorcycles. Okay, open the book to Caterpillar tractors and, you know, airplanes and, And they do all that stuff, but they don't basically don't talk about bicycles. We have our own meeting in, in the ETRTO office, usually in Brussels, but it is an ISO meeting. And that's the only place where the bicycle wheel guys show up. But the, Tire guys, the vast majority of the tire companies that make vulcanized product, you know, car tires and all that stuff, they send their new engineers and sometimes even interns to those meetings and, you know, and they're basically told, You know, go to that meeting. It's not that interesting. It's only bicycles, a small, you know, and and go and sit in the meetings and take notes. And we go to the meetings and everybody's pushing these new technologies and pressures and all the, you know, we're the tech geeks of it. I mean, bicycles or wheels or tires are so much more interesting. And we have the highest pressures. You know, you don't put 15 bar in your, in your car tires. You don't put Five, 10 bar or five bar. You put two two bar, you put, you know, 24 PSI, 30 PSI maximum in your car tires. And bicycle tires start there. I mean, that's cyclocross type pressures. We go, you know, way beyond that. Uh, We do so many things that all those other vehicles don't do. But the tire technical guys really don't show up. And so it's, it's a fascinating discussion and we've had to kind of push some buttons to try to get, Hey, you know, let's, you know, reevaluate this, this reality. So coming
0: back to these, these newer types of tubulars that you're talking about, if we have a situation right now where it's, you know, regardless of what the test data says, it, it does seem like. You know, the majority of pro teams and racers and mechanics, they do still prefer tubulars for a variety of different reasons. Um, If we now have the situation where we have these newer types of tubulars, where, you know, the in where we have these high TPI supple casings, which we've always had, of course, but where we have these types of casings where we have a thin layer of latex that's now, I guess, essentially sort of sprayed to the inside or however you do it. in that, in those sorts of situations, we theoretically have tubular constructions that potentially can rival high-end tubeless and tube-type clinchers in terms of rolling resistance. I don't know if you have any test data for that, but if we have a situation where those types of tubulars can even come close to uh, to to a high-end clincher do you think we might have a situation where the pendulum might swing in the other direction? Or do you think that, you know, that momentum is already too far gone with all the wheel companies basically just buying into clincher entirely now?
1: Well, that's, that gives it the potential to turn the corner, but other things have to happen. Okay. Because the, uh, that's not the only problem with tubulars, Right now, the rolling resistant testing that we've done so far, which is on kind of the classic steel drum, aluminum drum, whatever, and smoother, smooth drums, uh, say our, even our tubeless technology is faster. The tubeless clincher is faster than our tubeless tubular. Our, our tubulars, because we really haven't tested our tubeless tubulars. It just, I mean, it's just came this winter for gravel. I haven't been able to go to gravel races, you know, I'm hoping to go the first of June, you know, to real gravel race uh, and, and start interfacing there, but we need to get it on the machines and really get numbers. Um, But the other, the other aspect is on tubeless clinchers, now we've got the, the nice shelf defined with the bead seat and boom, you know, you got the pump, the special pump and it's tubeless ready so that you can run a lighter weight, more flexible casing because you have uh sealant on the inside who adds another uh, protective layer and gives you the seal as you come out of the, out of the channel up onto the shelf um that has some challenges to it like oh shoot i left my 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 big uh, pump uh, at the office and all i've got is my nice regular pump and i can't you know i can't hit the pressure hard enough or much less i'm out on the side of the road and i lose you know my i knock the uh, the bead off the shelf uh, when I get the flat tire and I, I, I you know, little hand pump doesn't doesn't not doesn't put the bead back on. Okay, so you have some problems on the tubeless seating, that kind of thing. Well, tubulars have the same problem we've had for for years. Is you know you got the one mechanic with the pro team that does nothing but glue tubulars on, um, and that's. Uh, to me, the biggest roadblock to to tubulars becoming uh, a, a technology for the consumers for the
0: right it's it's not very consumer friendly for sure
1: yeah um, the solution is is tubular tape and even even you know we started developing this when it was still rim brakes the heat was on, and we worked with some really good uh Uh, companies who are experts in in, uh, uh, adhesive systems and we've created tubular tape that basically you can apply on the rim put your tubular over and it's got a nice release smooth release liner so you pump it up to one bar so 15 psi And it does this amazing thing with which you don't, you know, there was always the problem when you would stretch a tubular around, you kind of, you have to start kind of aggressive at the valve stem and then flip it over while you're getting it all over yourself over the glue that's already sticky. And on the opposite side, there's less stress on the tubular and here you've stressed the tubular and then you pump it up and Lots of times, you know, you you. It's not round. Yeah, it's not a nice, relaxed system. It's not round. It's not uh, so. But with this system, when you have this nice, smooth release liner on the outside, and you pump it up to one bar while you're making the uh, base tape nice and square on the rim, that tubular is relaxing around the around the rim, and it's nice and round. And then you strip the, the release liner out and you pump it up beyond pressure and it that cotton base tape is just being pushed into a very high bonding uh, adhesive system that also, I mean, is special developed for much higher and much lower pressure or much higher and lower temperatures so i mean it was developed well what we're working with with 3m was is a very high bonding tape that was is used between the uh the power plant and the whole uh, of nuclear submarines so you got heat and you got real cold and you got vibration
0: i'm not sure how i feel about knowing that double stick tape is being used in nuclear submarines <laughs> to hold things together
1: it's 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 the major no it well it's it's a it's it's a you it, know the vibration you know they they want to run quiet and do so the the tape is 1.2 millimeters thick you know it's not nothing and some don't buy tubeless or tubular tape that is super thin because you need that base of of glue on there uh to penetrate but also to fill the gaps because right. Uh, that's another problem. And that's why, you know, in cyclocross, they, they even put a, an additional layer in between and to, oh, yeah. to fill, I all this. fill mm-hmm. the gap because you know, that you have a different radius sometimes in here versus the radius here. And you got that, you don't want that happening. And then you have like some, you know, that some of the tubules have anyway, have bigger holes for the sewing. You want all that filled up for the extra strength. And we do that with this tape, then you pump, pump it up beyond pressure and it's ready to ride. I mean, I live at 555 meters and the lake, when I go out the door, I go down to the lake below, you know, it's paradise here in Switzerland. Everybody lives on a mountain and the lake is right there, well, or they live on the lake and the mountains up there, but I'm up here. And then I have, so when I come home, I get my flat tires usually on the lake and I put them on, I pump them up, and then I have a, a ramp. I have a 10% ramp for 100 meters, and <clears throat> you know I got my 90-kilo uh, <laughs> <laughs> pandemic-infested body uh, that I have to pump up. And I, I don't have any problem. The tubular doesn't move 15, 20 minutes after, after I use, put the tape in. So it's ready. It's ready to roll. You don't have to season it for 24 hours. You should. It's maximum at 24 hours.
0: Right, but it's rideable.
1: It's it's rideable. If you get a flat tire out on the road, the other beauty is that you have a a a special uh, adhesive system. That's the adhesive system against the rim. Is actually, you know you. Another famous uh, 3M uh, combination, uh, you can kind of relate it a little bit to the post-it note. Okay. So it's got really good adhesion directly on lateral, but when you lift it off, it comes off clean.
0: Right. Is, in a sense, it's sort of like Velcro. You have really high shear strength, but not very good pull strength.
1: Let me write that down. Excuse me. <laughs> well, sure. Morgan, I mean, it's so,
0: it. It sounds like you know, as, you know, we we seem to be in this situation with clinchers and tubulars in one sense because there has been so much research and development resources poured into clinchers, maybe not quite as much into tubulars. And you know, it it sounds like from what you're saying, there is still some room to improve for tubulars. You know, if only you know, like like you're you're talking about these. These new uh, these new gravel tubulars that Challenge is coming out with uh, that technology will presumably be rolled into uh, road tubulars. No pun intended. Um, so and and then with this combination of of you know newer tapes that are out like you know your stuff you know like Effetto Mariposa has had the Coronia tape for a while and I've used that that works pretty well. Um, so it sounds like we we are in a situation where yeah you know, tubular performance may be coming back up to try and rival tubeless or tube type high-end clinchers. And then now we're in these situations where we're removing some of the, kind of the, the user serviceability problems. You know, all, all that stuff is great. Um, I mean, you know, I've I've ridden tubulars for a long time, especially when I was racing a lot of cyclocross. Um, I mean, there there is a very distinct feel and performance to tubulars that people have ridden, people who have ridden both, you no, know, no one will debate that. What I'm wondering, is you know, I'd be curious to hear your take on this. Is you know, it, are we potentially in a situation right now with tubulars versus clinchers, similar to what we experienced not too long ago with rim brakes versus disc brakes? In the sense that rim brakes, you know, I, I feel like they were they were just starting to get really, really exceptionally good. Like when you when you're talking about things like. You know, even like you know, special special um, types of treatments for sidewalls, special brake pads, you know, hydraulic rim brake calipers, that sort of thing. We had all these sorts of things where you know, combine them all together, you can have an exceptionally good rim brake system that works really well. You know, it still maintains bike aerodynamics, lightweight, so on and so forth. But we had already had all this momentum on the disc brake side. So that even though there was still room for rim brakes to get better um, and, and to just be really, really good, disc brakes still have taken over completely. Like that, that horse has left the stable. It's just, it's a done deal. I mean, you can get an exceptionally good rim brake system, but it's become certainly much, much more of a niche sort of product. Um, are we in a situation like that now with tubulars versus clinchers where even though tubulars can potentially rival the performance of high-end clinchers is it too late
1: i would say no but maybe i mean there's definitely momentum in that direction i get the i think to a degree uh the the u.s market is its own little echo chamber you know and things happen where you know cyclocross is awesome it's really hot and everybody's doing cyclocross and then you know you, there's a couple winters and gravel takes off and and uh, pandemic and, and then suddenly cyclocross is you know oh, it's down and and there's a place where every cyclocross racer will tell you no one is going to win nobody's going to finish in the top 50 in the world on on clinchers I mean uh, Stephen Hyde it took Stephen Hyde, an American to, to verbalize it properly because he was the only one that we found, professional that that's ridden uh, tubeless systems enough that really is involved in it mainly from the mountainside but has tested it down to gravel and, and in cross because he's interested and the guy's multi-time national champion. And he's he rides on the road and he rides cross and he rides gravel and he rides mountain. And his take was I can I can get tubeless down. Okay, now now we're talking the low side of pressure, but I I can get my pressure down really quite low. You know, I can get down to two bar, you know, 30, 28. 26 psi, you know, but the margin for error at that pressure when you're out there, you know, doing traverses and, and you know, all the places you take cyclocross, the probability that you're going to burp that technology is, you know, is super high at that versus a tubular where I can run 15% 15% to 20% lower pressure and have no problem. I'm totally relaxed.
0: Sure. Sure. For, for cross, I don't think anyone would argue at this point, it, the way things are, I don't think anyone would argue that tubulars are still superior to any tubeless cross setup. No question. I mean, I... I mean, I don't really, I haven't raced cross for several years now, but, you know, in the last year or two that I was doing it, I was pretty much exclusively on tubeless at that point because, you know, I had found a combination that worked really well and I was able to run them at at really low pressure. But I will say that I also did have to find a combination that worked and it still wasn't quite as good, um, wasn't quite as supple, wasn't, I I couldn't, I was running my tubeless setups, I think I was able to run them in the, in the, in the low twenties for pressure. Uh, I probably wasn't quartering as hard as Stephen Hyde was, but um, but for tubulars, I was able to run in like you know the mid teens, um, you know even low teens if I if I needed to in like a muddy race or something like that. Um, so no, in, in cross, I don't think anyone's going to argue that. I mean, tubulars are at, at the high end for for high performance in cross. They they're still they're going to be around for a really long time, I think. But but coming back to my original question, I mean, do do you think? Do you think it's too late for tubulars to, you know, re- reverse the swing? I mean, and again, like to, to clarify, it's not like clinchers have, you know, even taken over half of the peloton. It's not even close to that yet. But with all the momentum that's out there, I mean, is it is it too late for tubulars to reverse the swing? Or do you think it's still possible because people still want to use them?
1: I, I think it's possible, but it's totally up to us. And by us, I mean the tubular tire manufacturers, the cross segment is probably the only thing that's keeping the tubular wheel companies making those products. That's then connected to guys like Wout Van Aert and Mateo Vanderpool, who are coming out of cyclocross going into road. And they're so prestigious you know, they're such incredible cyclists, and, and it is, it's keeping that cyclocross road, you know, aura going. But it's a, it's a European thing, you know? Stephen Hyde can't even get a ride to come to Europe. Are you kidding me? Where was he last year? He, he couldn't even get across the pond. It, it, when there were other riders, you know, that were able, the women were more competitive, etc. but it lost a big voice from North America. In Europe, it was huge. I mean, they figured out how to do it inside the bubble in Belgium and the Czech Republic, a little bit in Switzerland, and that's kept it alive. Now it's up to us. So we have gravel tubeless tubulars out there. Okay. We have a tape that is coming to it. Uh, and and is being used uh, has been used. Uh, we had this system used uh, with CCC last year. Uh, we also we tested on their continental team with our tubeless clinchers with our sealant. The sealant was amazing. There's incredible stories. Okay, there's viability there, but they they ran mainly they they didn't run the Alpine races ccc tested all tested this product with our tubulars in for paris-roubaix and it was they were in love with it they said we'll run this in, in at, at the world tour level and then paris-roubaix is cancelled and then the team disappears <laughs> and gets shattered into 100 pieces and our mechanic goes off to another team that we have to deal with and that i can't even reach you know i mean physically get from country to country to get back into the. So, I mean, there, there are bumps in the road, but getting these pieces, the sealant, the tubeless tubular, the tape, the system is the starting point. We got to get the test equipment testing real world conditions. And then we have pieces of other pieces of the tubular that can be addressed. There's there are also uh, systems that I'm working with the UCI that you know at the interfaces, just like with the the straight bead, the straight wall, straight side uh, clincher rim, and they 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 say, okay, now we get a better aerodynamic fit with the with the tire there, that interface is more smooth. Uh, we can do the same thing with our tubulars. And it's been blocked by the UCI because people tried to sell it as a purely aerodynamic improvement, when in reality, it does two other vital things that should be the emphasis. Number one, it keeps dirt, and water out of that interface, which has an absorbent cotton base tape that then absorbs water, holds it, and it rots the tire. If you don't take care of it, like a cyclocross, guy takes care, per high, cyclocross mechanic takes care of their tires, and it fills that gap, and seals the casing better so it it keeps from discoloration and it improves the life of the tire but it also forms a vital little bumper so when i was talking about this shape and impacts that actually deform the rim without pinch flatting the tire imagine adding a bumper into that two and a half millimeter triangle that is also a resilient bumper you have another level
0: right it's not unlike what we have in bead protection uh in mountain bike tires for example it's pretty it's very very similar to that sounds like
1: yeah but it's up to us to drive it we got to fill that gap before the the inspiration by the the wheel companies is totally gone to, to keep making tubulars. And fortunately, especially the, the, uh, European manufacturers, but also, you know, people like zip and, you know, they sponsor teams that need t- the that ha- that demand, uh, tubular wheels for cyclocross and for road. So they're, they're, they keep making them, but they're not promoting them. Right. And so, you know, our, our uh, effective life of being able to, to, to revive the tubular system probably is finite for, for a number of years. And it's not helped by uh, little roadblocks like pandemics and, you know, not getting our technical editors from America to come over to Europe and be exposed to the story and, and, uh, and bringing back uh, the new, uh, that story back to America to say, hey, they're not dead yet. Uh, they may be in the hospital for a long stay, <laughs> <laughs> but I think we can revive them. You know, we have a vaccine in sight or something like right.
0: This. Well, that that's really encouraging, Morgan. I mean, I guess just just to be super clear, I know I know some people took my writing that last article as me wanting to see tubulars die. Um, I don't want to see that, and I I, I was also very careful in, in specifying that I don't think they're actually dead. I think, like you said, they are kind of in the hospital. Um, but it's really encouraging to hear that there are these developments going on in the tubular world. Um, I, you know, I, I have a set of NVCX carbon tubulars, like the, the really wide fat rim bed that, you know, you'll have to just pry out of my cold dead hands because they're amazing. Um, and I'll, I'll certainly be really interested to hear more when, You have more information on the test data and you know maybe when you have some 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 other road uh road tires that are coming out with this with this sort of setup um i'm really curious to see to see how it goes and again like you know it's it's far from being a done deal um and you know the the next few years will be interesting
1: yeah i took your article and we passed i mean it, it came in and we passed it around the company And I, and I circled you, you had key words in there. Like, it seems like I've heard from many people, you know, this group says, and that group says, you know, but I, I I saw those openings, but I also, then I thought, okay, I need to get on with James and, and tell him, (laughs) yes, there is life uh, in tubulars at the end of that tunnel. And I really appreciate the time with you to to be able to uh, to discuss this. And when you get over here for Eurobike, uh, make sure you have space in your bag. Uh, a, a chocolate bag, of course, but, <laughs> but, but a, a bag also for some tubeless tubulars and some special tape and special sealant and, uh, you know, and of course, you know, some heaven bites and <laughs> to make sure we pack the bags correctly, so.
0: Well, cool. Looking forward to it, Morgan. If if nothing else, it would be nice to get back to a little bit of normalcy. So, you know, fingers crossed for, for this fall. Whoa, that was a lot to take in, but holy cow, does this approach sound intriguing? To be clear, tubeless tubulars are hardly new, But what Morgan is proposing is a much thinner and more elastic coating on the inside of the casing that, at least in concept, isn't all that different from how liquid latex sealant ends up inside a tubeless clincher. And then when you couple that with modern tubular tape systems, suddenly tubulars don't sound like nearly the hassle they used to be. Morgan has promised to update us when he gets test results back from the lab, and I certainly can't wait to see what those numbers look like. So assuming the data is favorable… I mean, might challenges technology inject some new life into tried and true tubulars? And might other companies adopt this sort of setup to gain a few watts on their tubulars too? We'll hopefully find out soon enough, but in the meantime, this whole clincher versus tubular thing is sure super interesting to watch. All right, well that'll do it for this week's Nerd Alert. Thanks as always for listening. If you haven't already done so, please make sure to subscribe to Nerd Alert so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. And if you're already enjoying the show, please leave us a rating or comment. Or better yet, tell your friends about Nerd Alert so we can share our nerdiness with more people. And last but certainly not least, please, please, please consider joining our Velo Club membership program. It not only provides direct support for what we do here at Cycling Tips, but it also grants you access to an amazing crew of people both virtually and in real life. Almost kind of like how you wish the internet was. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you all again next week.